Who here has ever procrastinated? <laughs> I think we all have, right? Now, sometimes when we procrastinate, there could be serious consequences. So I'll give you an example of this from my own life. I was 16, and um, I was dating this girl. I just started dating this girl, and I really liked her. And uh, we were going to go out to the movies later on that evening. My mom said, well, you're not going to go out until you clean your room. So, of course, uh, I was a teenager, so I just kept putting it off, putting it off. She asked me like 10,000 times to clean my room. And then finally, at the last minute, I cleaned my room. And I do what any teenager does, you know, who's very um, conscientious about cleaning the room. I pushed everything under the bed. All the dirty clothes, everything, the pizza box, everything under the bed, right? I'm done. Pass inspection, and I go looking for my car keys. I can't find them, right? So I look high and low. I go through the house once, twice, three times, still can't find the car keys. I'm freaking out now. I'm late. I'm really late. And my mom calls out to me from my bedroom. So I go down. She goes, maybe, maybe your car keys are in one of your pants pockets in your clothes under the bed. So I'm like, well, that's brilliant, you know? So I dive under the bed. I start bringing out the clothes, the empty pizza box, the box that's half full of Fruit Loops because I ate all the marshmallow pieces. I bring all those things out, right? Looking through the, and there it is, in one of my pants pockets. There's my keys. I praise God. I vow I will always clean my room for the rest of my life. I've already broken that vow. <laughs> and I head off to the movie theater. So I get to the movie theater, and guess what? She's not there. 15-minute rule, she's out. She left me, right? So I was so sad. But then it gets worse, because on Monday, I show up at school, and her friend, her best friend, comes up to me. This girl comes up to me, and she hands me the note. <laughs> the note. So I read the note, and in the note, she broke up with me. I was devastated. And at that moment, I decided to become a priest. Here I am, because that 16-year-old girl. So there could be consequences, serious consequences to our procrastination. Who here spiritually procrastinates? Yeah. Spiritually procrastinates, right? I think we all do. I mean, we all have good intentions, right? We, we think of the plan, we have that ideal plan for our spiritual lives, and we want it, and that's a good thing, but then everything else in life gets in the way. And we think to ourselves, well, I'll just do it tomorrow. Or, you know, I, I've got time later. Or, I've got all these kids, you know, so I just don't have time. We don't have time. We're involved with all these activities, and, and, and we'll get to it. I'll get to it. Or, you know, I've got all my life to get to it. I'll get to it later in life. But there can be serious consequences to us spiritually procrastinating. And I think that's something of what Jesus says in today's gospel in Luke 
21. So this is not Luke 1 getting us ready for the birth of Jesus Christ and Christmas. This is the end. And Luke records that Jesus has been preparing himself for the end, for his end. And now he turns to his disciples and he prepares them. And what he does is he speaks in ways that are kind of mysterious to us. And we think this is about the end of time. Because he says things like, you know, so when all this happens, you're going to see the stars and the sun and the moon. And they're going to be changing and the heavens shaken. And you're going to be confused and perplexed by this. When we hear about this, we're like, oh, okay, that's the end times. Well, maybe, maybe, right? Because we know at some point there's going to be an end time. We know that he's speaking about his second coming here because he's already come the first time. But we also know that he'll come for us, each of us, at the end of our time. And that's just his point. You see, for the Jews, the way that they told time is not by a, rich, rich, a wristwatch. They told time by the sun, the moon, and the stars. The powers of heaven. And so what Jesus is basically saying is this plainly. Your time will be up. There'll come a time when your time is up. And when your time is up, it will be too late for you who have spiritually procrastinated. If you're not ready, if you're not prepared, then when all these things happen, these are symbols of the reality that time is up. You have no more time. And where he takes us to by the end of this gospel is this question. So therefore, when I come again, will you be able to stand before me? It's interesting. He says... To stand before the Son of God. Standing, as we learn like in a court of law, when someone who is about ready to have a sentence passed on, then the judge calls him to stand up and to be ready to receive the sentence. Well, where does that come from? That doesn't come from law itself. It comes from the Scriptures. Western society picked this up from scriptures. What Jesus is saying is there will be a day in which we will stand in the presence of the Son of God. Either at the end of time or the end of our lives. And we will be judged. And here's the deal. Not judged by Him, but just like a judge, judged by our actions. God doesn't condemn us if we're not ready. We've already done that. He just enlightens us and shows us what we've already decided by the way that we live our lives. So he asks us that. And that's a question for us today. If today your time is up and you have no more hours to your life, are you ready to stand before the Son of Man? Jesus gives three things that can keep us from being spiritually aware, following him, or 
keep us from spiritually procrastinating. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but it does enlighten a lot of parts of our lives. Three things. Carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Now, carousing is just simply moving through life from one pleasure to the next, from one entertainment to the next, from one distraction to the next, to one activity to the next, until each day our lives are filled up. But during those days, at the end of the day, we have not given any time to God, but all of our time to everything else. Those can be important things, but when they completely displace God, and there is no time given to God every day, then we're not prepared for him. Drunkenness, yeah. I mean, obviously, literally, in Jesus' day, like, drunkenness. But what is Jesus really getting at? What he's talking about is an inordinate attachment to something else that displaces the right attachment to God, the ordered attachment to God. So that can be drinking, that can be drugs. It can also be binging on Netflix. If by the end of the day, when we do that stuff, that we become so attached to, and it becomes regularized in our life, that we notice, or worse yet, we don't even notice, that we've given no attachment to God that day, then we're not prepared to stand before him. And the anxieties of the day. It's interesting that he says this. It says to us that even during Jesus' day, people got anxious. In today's world, sociologists tell us that the millennials, who are part of one of the younger generations, and they're raising the Gen Zers who are the kids today. The millennials are the least religious generation in the history of the United States. And they're raising the next generation. And that next generation, the Gen Zers, are the most anxious generation that we have known in modern times. Why? I'm sure there's many factors, but one of the factors is simply and plainly this. We are less religious. Meaning, we're giving less of our day to God and more of our day to the things that cause us to be anxious. Anxious of how we look, what other people think of us, what we do, our job, our title, our relationships our health, our bank account, our retirement, this culture, the politics, and so on. We spend so much of that time which whips us up in anxiety, and we don't displace that or bring proportion to that by spending time with God every day, and then that stuff becomes disproportionate to our lives, and we are anxious. And you can see then how we give ourselves over to the anxieties of each day doesn't prepare us to stand before the Lord. 
and be able to say to him, I trust all of eternity for you taking care of me when I didn't trust day by day that you would take care of me. Jesus goes on to say this. He says these three things, and again, it's not an exhaustive list. He says, these things are what catch us by surprise like a trap, is literally what he says. Now again, he's using an image from his day. Men and women used to trap animals for food. And what they would do, how they would do it, obviously, is that they would catch the animal by surprise. The, the animal wasn't aware that it was a trap. And something in the trap lured, appealed to it, wooed that animal in to the trap. And when in the trap, the trap was stronger than the animal, and the animal could not escape. And Jesus is warning us, is that when we spend our lives unaware of him, and building up by day by day our awareness of him, then we get caught in the traps of the enemy who has set these traps for us all over the world. And when we get caught by them and our time is up, there's no escape. The trap of how we've lived our lives is inescapable. Here's, here's the beauty of all of that compared to what Jesus says next. It's so hopeful. What Jesus says then, if you don't want to be surprised and be trapped by the things that you attach yourself to and eventually attach themselves to you and you're trapped, if you don't want to live that life, then simply pray and be vigilant. That's it. Pray and be vigilant. In fact, prayer leads to vigilance, leads to awareness. When we pray day by day, routinely, more, then we become more aware of God. And becoming more and more aware of Him, we become more and more aware of His ways. And we become more and more aware of who we are. And we become more and more aware of the traps that are out there set for us. And when we see them, we see that's a trap. I'm going to get stuck here. I'm going to get stopped here. I'm going to get addicted here. I'm going to be tripped up by worries constantly here. And then we pray more. And we become more and more aware of who He is and who we are in Him. And we don't get surprised by the traps and get stuck by them. And then, when our hour is up and we stand before the Son of God, we are ready for Him. Ready for Him to take care of us for all of eternity because we allowed Him to take care of us from day. It's Advent. It's the beginning of this beautiful season where as we sang in the beginning of our Mass with the opening song, prepare Him room. That's it. That's the secret. To simply prepare him room.